Genesis 31, as we continue our study through uh, the Word of God and through the book of Genesis. It was after Joseph was born that Jacob felt the call of God upon his life to return home to the land of Canaan, and he had worked for his uncle Laban in Haran for 14 years, but Jacob recognized this was not his home. The only problem is that Laban does not want Jacob to leave. And the reason probably not is what you think. Uh, He didn't want Jacob to stay so uh, he could be close to his daughters, Rachel and Leah. Uh, He didn't want Jacob to stay because uh, of the grandchildren. Uh, He wanted Jacob to stay because God was blessing Jacob and Jacob had been working for Laban And he was uh, receiving a great benefit from that. Uh, It was kind of like Jacob was his cash cow, uh, in a sense, you might say. Uh, He was uh, making Laban uh, very successful. And so Jacob makes a deal with Laban to stay with him uh, for a time. And then when it was time for him to leave, uh, and we talked about the speckled and the spotted sheep and goats, and how they would be his, and the solid-colored ones would be uh, belong to Laban. Laban thinks that's a good deal because, uh, of course, the dominant gene in these animals would be the solid-colored ones, and thus that would favor him. But in the, this case, there's a problem, and uh, God blesses Jacob. Laban put Jacob in charge of his own animals, and so if God did bless, he would benefit. So as we come to chapter 31... Of Genesis, Jacob has been working for Laban another six years, so it's a, tw- a total of twenty years in all. And he, Jacob, now feels, you know, it's time for me to to leave. And with that uh, as our background, we begin here in Genesis thirty-one, starting in verse one. See what the Lord has for us as we study His Word. Uh, I want you to notice first of all, bad vibrations, bad vib- bad vibrations. Verse 1 of Genesis 31. And he heard the words of Laban's son, saying, Jacob hath taken away all that was our father's, and of that which was our father's he hath gotten all his, this glory. And Jacob beheld the countenance of Laban, and behold, it was not toward him as before. Uh, I want you to understand why Laban's sons were so upset with Jacob. It was not that Jacob had stole anything from uh, Laban, but Jacob was gaining more and more, and it seemed like Laban was losing out. And if Laban uh, was losing out, then his sons would lose out as well. And so they saw what Jacob had as their own inheritance being taken away. And when envy gets into the picture, truth seems to be distorted. That seems to be the case here. When envy gets into the picture, truth becomes distorted. In fact, as they tell their father what's going on, they poison his heart even more towards Jacob, and the tensions continue to grow. God was blessing Jacob, and they did not like that. Now keep in mind that Laban, when his deal was made with Jacob, thought it was a great idea, but now he's beginning to change his mind. In Ecclesiastes 4.4, Solomon tells us, Again, I considered all travail and every right work that for as 
this a man is envied of his neighbor. This also vanity and vexation of spirit. In other words, why work hard? Because when you do, everyone wants what you have. Now there's a good philosophy for you. Why work hard? Because if you do, then everybody else wants what you have. But please understand that Solomon is looking at this from the human perspective. You know, that's, humanly speaking, what we would often think. Solomon saw it as true, truly empty. Why bother working at all? Well, I think we have a lot of people around these days that have that philosophy. Why bother working at all? You know, if I work hard, I'll accumulate a lot of stuff, and my neighbor, he's going to want everything I have. So I might as well not even work. Well, as far as Solomon is concerned, his perspective is under the sun. That means it's worldly. It's not of God. And so he came to the wrong conclusion about work. But it, was, it is not done in vain. It is not empty, no matter what others may say or do to us. In fact, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15:58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You see, what we do for the Lord is not in vain. James 1.25, we read, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. And so we are to work hard in spite of what others may say or do. Paul puts this into perspective for us when he tells us in Colossians 3.17, And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Now, God had been abundantly blessing Jacob. His flocks grew, his, uh, uh, he prospered over the six-year period, and that, again, did not set well with Laban and his family. And so bitterness begins to brew, and Jacob was alert, he was attentive, he was discerning about the change in Laban. Laban's sons were jealous, and they falsely accused him of taking his father's flocks and his glory of wealth. Remember what we said last week, wealth comes from where? comes from God. God gave Jacob his wealth. Jacob senses Laban's anger as his countenance changes toward him. Have you ever detected a change of behavior in a person toward you when you sense something was wrong? You could just see it in their face. Something's not right here. Perhaps they don't talk to you anymore, or they avoid you. Uh, their face, uh, their eyes, and their tone of voice are no longer warm and gentle, but they're cold and, and stern and very curt with you. Well, this is what Jacob was experiencing with Laban. And I want just to mention a few steps here if we apply them to those bad vibrations with a friend or family member. Here's some things I think we need to, to apply here. Number one, examination. First of all, when we feel bad vibrations from a family member or another person, a friend, we need to first examine our own lives to see 
if I offended that person for some reason? Did I do something that, that is causing them to uh, feel this way or, or change their behavior toward me? Examination. Secondly, encounter. First of all, examination. Second, encounter. If you've inf- offended someone, seek their forgiveness. If you feel like, well, I've done nothing wrong, well, then ask the person, is there a problem? And then thirdly, explanation. If there is a problem, listen and learn and work out the solution to the problem, if, if at all possible. So it's examination, and then it's encounter, and then it's explanation, and then fourthly, it's entreaty. Entreaty. Pray for God's help to apply the right solution. Now, if you've done nothing wrong, as in Jacob's case here with Laban, pray for them and turn it over to the Lord. Ask God to change their heart. You know, Peter addressed this problem, and he said in 1 Peter 3.16, having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation or manner of life in Christ. Now, if Jacob was doing what the Lord wanted him to do and was blessing his work, why all this trouble? Well, I believe that God was going to use this to stir the nest, so to speak, to get Jacob to get up and get out. Kind of uh, to fly a little bit more on his own, to soar in his own faith. You see, God wanted Jacob back in the promised land, in the land of Canaan. Now it was time to take off and and head back to Canaan. And God does that in our own lives lives often. He moves us, He molds us, He prepares us for our work, and then the nest is stirred, and so we begin to fly again. We're moving to the next step in our Christian life as God uses us for His glory. But how is Jacob going to know for sure that the time to leave was now? Well, the circumstances seem to point to that direction, but, you know, circumstances can sometimes fool us. And so we look at the next verse, and we see here how Jacob knew it was time to leave. And so, secondly, we notice going home. Going home, verse 3, And the Lord said to Jacob, Return unto the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. Jacob didn't leave just leave because of the bad situation? He left because of God's word. God spoke to him. It said, return into the land of thy fathers. And God's spirit, he said, I will be with thee. And that all lined up with the circumstances that he faced. He knew it was time to go. You know, sometimes we may be seeking God's will in our lives. Sometimes uh, you uh, young people may be thinking, well, what is God's will for my life? And we may be earnestly seeking what God's will. I read of uh, one harbor in Italy that can only be reached by sailing up a narrow channel that has dangerous rocks and shoals on either side. And because of that, over the years, many, many ships have been wrecked. The navigation is very dangerous. So they came up with a way to guide these ships safely into port. The idea was very simple. They put up three lights on three huge poles in the harbor. And you say, well, how does that help? Well, 
When these three lights were perfectly lined up and seen as one light, the ship could proceed forward and they would safely make it to the port. But if the pilot would see two lights or three lights, he knew he was off course. He was in danger. He needed to readjust his course to get back in line, to be safe and to make it into the port. You know, and listen, uh, uh, listen, God has also given us three lights, so to speak, to guide us. And if these three beacons line up as one, I believe we're safe to proceed forward. But if two or three are seen, they don't line up, then we need to readjust and get back in line to be safe. What are those three beacons? Well, number one, I think the Word of God is one of the beacons. The Word of God, the objective standard. Then secondly is the Holy Spirit. The witness of God's Spirit in your life. More of a subjective witness. And then thirdly, you have circumstances, and that's the divine providence. And as we see these three line up into almost to be as one light to us, we can move ahead. May we be guided by God's beacons of light that will guide us in and where and when we are to go, and they will guide us safely through the situations we face. The Word of God, the Holy Spirit, and the circumstances around us. Jacob saw these three beacons line up in his life. He knew it was time to go home. God will lead us in the same way. Now, verses 4 through 13 is a portion that we talked about last week, so we're not going to go through it again. But as God spoke to Jacob, he is going to gather Rachel and Leah together, his wives, and tell them what God is going to do and what they as a family needed to do. And here we, uh, we do see Jacob being the spiritual head of the family. We also see Rachel and Leah were aware of his work ethics. Uh, they saw how trustworthy, how faithful, how hard Jacob worked in spite of the way their father had treated them and che uh, cheated Jacob. In fact, in those 20 years of service, he changed Jacob's wages 10 times, it tells us. And we're not just talking about a, a pay increase here. He changed his wages so that he, would benefit, uh, he could benefit and Jacob would end up with less. But as he tried to cheat the man of God out of what was his, God intervened and blessed Jacob even more. And what a great lesson this is for us to learn. Man may try to cheat us. They may try to rip us off. But God is aware and he will care, take care of the things as long as we're faithful in what we're doing. Psalm 118, verse 6 through 9 tells us, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? The Lord taketh my part with them that help me. Therefore shall I see my desire upon them that hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. You know, as true, it truly is as David said in Psalm 27 and verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And with that perspective, we should not be afraid. God is in control. And so we need to serve the Lord faithfully in spite of what man may try to do 
to you, for he will bless you through it. He has a plan and he has a purpose. We need to trust in him. Now we also know what Jacob said here back in uh, verse 3 of the Lord speaking to him. Uh, that was really just the basics. But here in verse 13, he expounds a little bit more of the details of what God was showing him. Uh, in verse 13, uh, we read, it says, And I am the God of Bethel, where thou anointest the pillar, and where thou vowest a vow unto me. Now arise, get thee out of this land, return unto the land of thy kindred. The Lord is instructing Jacob to go back to Bethel, back to the house of God, back to the place where he had first had an encounter with God. But why? Because it is important, especially during the difficult times like Jacob was going through, to remember the times when God spoke to us and brought us through difficult times. You know, I think sometimes that's why it's good to write some things down. Even when we were going through a difficult time, maybe to to say, you know, how the Lord, what passages of Scripture. And when another time of difficulty comes, we can go back and we can see how God helped us through that other time of difficulty. As we look back and see the hand of God in our life, and He gives us strength for the present situation we're facing, that's what God instructed Jacob to do. He's still the same God. He does not change. He will meet the needs just as He's done in the past. And so the call for Jacob is to return home, to return to the promised land, the land of Canaan, and Jacob is now prepared for this journey. So notice thirdly, as we come to verse 14 through 16, agreement of the ag aggravated. Agreement of the aggravated. Verse 14, we read, And Rachel and Leah answered and said unto him, Is there yet any portion or inheritance for us in our father's house? Are we not counted of him strangers? For he hath sold us and hath quite devoured also our money. For all the riches which God hath taken from our father, that is ours and our children's. Now then, whatsoever God hath said unto thee, do. You know, Rachel and Leah don't agree on much. But here we see them agree about their dad. Laban really wasn't interested in them. Only the dowry that he was to keep for them. But the only problem is he had spent all of it. In fact, they saw the wealth that Jacob had obtained as a retribution for what their father did to them. They only got back that which he took from them is the way they felt. And thus they had no ties to keep them from leaving. In fact, it was so bad they felt like strangers in their own family. And so they'll go with Jacob to the place God has called him. Now obviously this is no easy task to pick up your roots and you've planted for 20 years in Haran and travel some 500 miles back home. It's never easy to pick up and, and to, to leave a place where you've been for a, a length of time. They had servants, they had children, they had livestock, they had flocks, all kinds of possessions that needed to go with them. And so the journey would be slow. But on the positive side of it, he had the support, that is Jacob, of Rachel and Leah. And that was very, very important. 
They told Jacob, whatsoever God has said unto thee, do. I think it was Matthew Henry who said, those that, really, uh, that, those that are really their husband's helpmeets will never be the hindrances to doing what, which, do that, that which God calls them to do. So we have agreement here between Rachel and Leah. And then fourthly, we have a hide and go seek. Hide and go seek. Verse 17. Verse 17, it says, Then Jacob rose up and sent his sons and his wives upon camels, and he carried them away all his cattle and all his goods which he had gotten, the cattle of his getting which he had gotten in Pandanaram, for to go to Isaac his father in the land of Canaan. And Laban went to shear his sheep, and Rachel had stolen the images that were her father's. And Jacob stole away unawares to Laban, the Syrian, in which, in that he had told him not, uh, excuse me, that he had told him not that he had fled. And so he fled with all that he had and rose up and passed over the river and set his face toward the Mount Gilead. Jacob was so unsure of how Laban would respond, so he left without telling Laban. Now, was he right in doing that? I don't believe he was, but uh, remember what the Lord said to Jacob at Bethel back in Genesis 28, verse 15. He said, And behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. Now in this chapter, God has told him to return home uh, and uh, so... That's what he's going to do. Will he make it? Of course he will. God said he would finish the work that he started. But Jacob was not sure. And so his plan was to leave before Laban found out. Kind of sneak away, if you please. Jacob gathers his family, all of his possessions, loads up all the U-Hauls, and gets ready to go. Laban was unaware that he left because he was busy shearing his sheep. Before her departure, Rachel stole Laban's gods, or teraphims as they're called. Teraphims were uh, family idols. Uh, Laban discovers uh, that uh, they've left, and he overtakes them after 10 days in Mount Gilead, about 300 miles away. Of course, he's very upset. In fact, he's furious. Uh, furious, and uh, because they'd left without even saying goodbye. Well, that's not really why he was mad. He was mad because they took the images. The images were missing. Uh, He may have harmed Jacob if God had not intervened in a dream and warned Laban to leave him alone. Laban confronts Jacob, asks for the reason for his action. His son-in-law explains that he was afraid of Laban and would take his daughters back by force. And so Jacob declares also that whosoever uh, would, had stolen Laban, would take uh, uh, Laban's gods, uh, would be executed. He didn't know that Rachel had taken them. And so it's kind of a hide-and-go-seek game. Uh, continues as Laban searches through the tents for those idols. And they were hidden in Rachel's camel furniture, when the, which she was happened to be sitting on. She was a very resourceful young lady, but they were never discovered by Laban, and Jacob also was very upset with this situation. Now we go, uh, we're going to skip through up to verse 36. 
Uh, we're not going to read all of uh, verse 22 through 35 for time's sake this afternoon. But we find here a stinging rebuke, beginning in verse 36. A stinging rebuke. Jacob was wroth and chode with Laban. And Jacob answered and said to Laban, What is thy trespass? What is thy, my sin? And, and uh, thou hast so hotly pursued after me, whereas thou hast searched my stuff. Uh, uh, what hast thou found of all thy, thy household stuff? I was thinking about that word stuff this morning. Uh, uh, I think it was uh, uh, Isaac used that word stuff. And I thought, is that really a good word to use? Well, that's a Bible word, Isaac. That's a good word. Here it is, right here. Uh, all of his household stuff. And uh, set it here uh, before my brethren and, and thy brethren, and they may judge betwixt us both. This twenty years have I been with thee. The, thy ewes and thy she-goats have not cast their young, and the rams of thy flock have I not eaten. That which, I was, that which was torn of beast I brought, brought not unto thee. I bear the loss of it. Of my hand didst thou require it, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. Thus I was in the day that drought consumed me in the frost by night, and my sleep departed from mine eyes. Thus have I been twenty years in thy house. I served thee fourteen years for thy two daughters, and six years for thy cattle. And thou hast changed my wages ten times. Except the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had been with me, surely thou hast sent me away now empty. God hath seen my affliction and the labor of my hands, and rebuked thee yesternight. Here he really tells him all the things that he's done. After 20 years of taking out the garbage for Laban, Jacob lets him have it. In verse 36, it tells us there that Jacob was wroth and he chode with Laban. That word chode there, not a word we often use today. At least I haven't heard any of you use it lately. Not like stuff anyway. But uh, uh, chode means to grapple, uh, to hold a controversy or complain. Ah, we do hear people complain from time to time, don't we? And that's basically what it means. He was upset. Uh, he presents his case to Laban of his record over the last 20 years. He defends his responsibility, his loyalty, his dependability, his diligence, his faithfulness. He exhorts them, if it were not for the Lord's provision and protection, Laban would have sent Jacob away empty-handed. You see, Laban really did not have anything against Jacob. He served Laban faithfully for 20 years. Jacob took his job seriously. He watched over the livestock in the heat of the day, in the cold of the night, and when he wanted to and when he didn't want to, when he was tired and when he wasn't tired. And so here's the stinging rebuke here in these verses 36 through 42. Then we come to uh, the watchtower, verse 43, the watchtower. Verse 43, it says, And Laban answered and said unto Jacob, These daughters are my daughters, and these children are my children, and these cattle are my cattle, and all that thou seest is mine. And what can I do this day unto thee? These my daughters are unto thy children, which they have borne. Now therefore, come thou, let us make a covenant, I and thou, and let, us, let it be for a witness between me and thee. And Jacob took a stone and set it up for a pillar. And Jacob said unto the brethren, Gather stones, and took stones, and made an heap, 
and they did eat there upon the heap. And Laban called it, anyone want to try that word? I worked on it a little bit this week, but it's uh, going to be a tough one here. Jigar ha dutha, or some reasonable facsimile. And Jacob called it, and Jacob called it Gilead. Now that's a little easier. No wonder he changed the name. And Laban said, This heap is a witness between me and thee this day. Therefore was the name of it called Gilead and Mithpah. For he said, The Lord watch between me and thee, which uh, when we were absent one from another. If thou shalt afflict my daughters, or if thou shalt take otherwise beside my daughters, no man is with thee, us. See, God is witness betwixt me and thee. And Laban said to Jacob, Behold this heap, and behold this pillar, which I have cast betwixt me and thee. This heap be witness, and this pillar be a witness, that I will not pass over this heap to thee, and that thou not pass over this heap, and thus this pillar unto me for harm. The God of Abraham, the God of Nahor, and the God of thy father, or their father, judge betwixt us. The Jacob swear by the fear of his Father Isaac, then Jacob offered sacrifice upon the mount, called his brethren to eat bread, and they did eat bread and tarried all night in the mount. And early in the morning, Laban rose up and kissed his sons and his daughters and blessed them, and Laban departed and returned unto his place. Well, Jacob tells, Laban tells Jacob, rather, that all he has is really his. It is really Laban's, and out of the kindness of his heart, he had, uh, has given all this to Jacob. And I think uh, that's a very nice thing to say, but it wasn't true. It just sounded good. Uh, it was a lie, but it was a nice touch. You see, Jacob had really worked for it. God blessed him, and if Laban had anything to do with it, Jacob would have had nothing. But God spoke to Laban to keep his hands off of Jacob, so Laban uh, tries to make himself look good in a bad situation. But it didn't work. So Jacob and Laban make this covenant. They set up a boundary of stones. They call the place Gilead. The heap is a witness between me and thee this day. A pillar there was erected to mark the place of this covenant. God was a witness to their promise. And uh, the word there that uh, is kind of hard to pronounce there, but Yegar uh, Sahathutha, which is Arabic word, means... A heap of testimony. Jacob called it Gilead, which in the Hebrew means a hill of witness. And then there's the word Mithpah, meaning a watchtower. Mithpah in the Aramaic means let the Lord settle the problems between you and me. That's always a good thing to, to do. And both men were not to cross the boundary that had been erected. Of course, later, many years later, Gilead became a disputed territory between Israel and Syria. Mountainous region, it was given to the tribe of Reuben, Gad, and half of the tribe of Manasseh. But you know, I think each one of us as believers needs to have a mispah in our lives. You know what a mispah would be for us? A place where life-changing promises of dedication and service to the Lord were made. Can you think right now, even now, where you have made some very serious promises and serious life decisions for the Lord after you were saved. 
Maybe it was in a church service. Maybe it was at uh, uh, having a time of devotions and you're reading your Bible. Uh, maybe it was a revival meeting. A mispah, a place where you made a life-changing promise. You know, camp can be that place. Many times, young people make very important decisions in their life, in the development of their young Christian lives at camp. And the question would be, have we totally dedicated our lives to Christ? You know, Laban was a man of the world. Jacob needed to separate himself from the world, and he does. But he also needs to separate from the gods of this world, and we'll see him do that later in chapter 35. This is the last we ever hear of Laban in the Bible. You know, I think it's a good thing that this is the end of our, the, the story of, of Laban. Laban is a picture of the world. Laban needed to be freed from this world in order to live wholeheartedly for God, the God of his fathers. You know, Laban could have turned to the true and living God. He could have received the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But he never, we don't have a record that he did. He wanted the blessings, he wanted the benefits of God, but he did not want a relationship with God. And that happens also with uh, young people and with uh, people in churches. They want the benefits of, uh, of, of church and, and uh, from God, but they don't want a relationship with God. Rather than seeking to follow the truth of God's plan as witnessed by Jacob, Laban just resented and coveted the blessings of God on Jacob. And he ended up finally with neither one. His life constitutes a so sober warning, a great host of semi-religious, but fundamentally self-worshipping, self-seeking men and women of today. Many do the same things today. They want the blessings of God, but they do not want the relationship with Him. And it just doesn't work. So as I close, let me just leave us with this thought. What Jacob did was not easy, and yet it's what God called him to do. Many times when God calls us, it's not an easy thing to do, but Jacob did it and he obeyed. I trust we'll learn the lesson and walk by faith as God leads us. It was Peter who said, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, be vigilant, or be, or, and hope to the end for the grace that is brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust of your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. I believe we really need to walk in the light as he is in the light and follow as he leads us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this wonderful instruction and example of a man who heard your call and obeyed. And Lord, there may be someone here today that has heard your call, but they haven't been willing to be obedient to that call. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll work in the hearts and lives of each one of us here. Help us to be faithful to what you have for us. Help us to 
make sure that we uh, even have right relationships with one another as family members, as friends, uh, with, as uh, fellow church members, that we have a right relationship with one another. And if there's vi- bad vibrations, we seek to, to uh, make uh, those things right instead of going on and let, letting them hurt the cause of Christ within our own families, in our own lives, in our own church. Lord, we pray that uh, we'll be faithful and ready to, and willing to listen to your call and obedient to your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.